evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your latest installment of the Net Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Jay Gray, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and all of our content is free. You can get us over um, on the website at jailsnet.co.uk, where you can see the forum, articles, and other posts, as well as a history archive. And you can get us over on Twitter at Jailsnet Online as well. Um, just before I go and introduce my guest, I need to give you a message first from our sponsor, Forest Precision Engineering. They are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years and we're absolutely delighted that they're backing your podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com and you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique a unique and intimate space. You can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Um, yeah, so here today, obviously, to discuss uh, the one each draw we have, the Rangers failing to capitalise on drop points from Celtic yesterday. Um, introduce my guest first, Grant Mackay. Grant, um, don't think I've been on with you since the start of the season, roughly. A lot's changed since August, hasn't it? <laughs> certainly has, certainly has, for the better. The better though, but um, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm just a bit deflated after what I had to watch today. Um, after what happened yesterday, but yeah, doing okay. Aye, we move on. Also as well, Mister David Fraser. David, so one today, but but how are you keeping regardless? Aye, so one today, Craig. How are you doing, Craig? How are you doing, Grant? Good evening to all the listeners and the viewers. I just uh, a case of deja vu again the day you know. Uh, an opportunity missed, but I'm sure we'll get into it. No, I think you've hit the nail on the head, David. An, an opportunity missed. Grant, I mean, that is obviously the headline opportunity missed after what happened with Celtic yesterday. The thing is, though, you, you will get people that say, you know, we've scored a 90 whatever plus minute equaliser, but is a tough place to go. I mean, that sort of opportunity missed. How big do you think the opportunity is that we have missed? Is it something that you know we kind of just need to take and just say, look, games like this happen, or is it a bigger problem than that? It's a bit of both, Craig, for me. Um, it's a missed opportunity after Celtic yesterday for sure, um, but it seems to happen to us a lot. You're saying Aberdeen is a, a tough place to go. It seems to be a tough place to go just for us. I mean. We've been, for the last five years, I think we've won less than 40% or 50% of the games there. So we, we seem to struggle up there. Nobody else really seems to struggle up there. So I think it was a missed opportunity. Celtic did not drop many points. We've seen it over the last couple of seasons. And it, it was ideal for us just to get right back into the title race, especially with um, us going to Parkhead in a few weeks' time. It was a missed opportunity. I just I can't believe. Uh, after yesterday, we're just so... Everybody was buzzing. I thought the players would be buzzing as well. And we just didn't start correctly at all four, four minutes in there right through a, a pass and then five minutes later exactly the same thing a long ball a flick on and then in behind it's a good finish so it's just, it's just frustrating me it's definitely a missed opportunity for me um, but if you miss that many chances and don't defend at the back then that's what happens ah, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there it's, uh, I tweeted earlier if you can't score goals and you can't defend, you can't expect to win league titles. It might sound oversimplified, but sometimes the simplest things in life are also true. Um, David, this match day has been one this season that has kind of shaped the complexity of the title race when you think about it. You know, Rangers, Aberdeen and Celtic against Motherwell. I remember when we were going to the Aberdeen game earlier in the season, as bad as we were playing, 
Motherwell had equalised in the last minute and we were four points behind at that time. By the end of that day, we were seven points behind. After Celtic scored the last minute equaliser, we get gubbed off Aberdeen and obviously Michael Beale's gone after that. So if we go into that point, that day where Motherwell equalised, I'm not expecting to go um, seven points behind that day. And similarly, uh, similarly again today, you see Motherwell equalised in the last minute. I fully expected us to go and win that game today. On Friday, I predicted a relatively comfortable win. I felt that if we played our game, we should have came out on top. And I thought we were good in spells, but but overall, it's it, it was just ruined my chances really for me, David. I agree. You've got a difference of a fortnight, makes. I think um, I think most days we're, we're going into this game feeling a wee bit more enthused about our chances of coming away for to be the maximum points, but. Only a couple of minutes in, as Grant really said, you need to, the scene was set, uh, lethargic, one-paced, setting to the ball. All the, the kind of foibles that were present under Mick Beale came back with a vengeance today. And uh, I, I'll, I'll uh, stick my record here. They, they don't look like title winners, that team. I think that's uh, the same characters, the same butlers, uh, just not producing the goods and if that was a team you've seen after the first couple of minutes not necessarily the, the goal but you've seen after the first few minutes if that was a team that was trying to close the gap to potentially down to three points if they'd won their game in hand you know you could have fooled me uh, I thought the performance was, was dire and certainly that first half when Graham Shinney is allowed to to kind of manage the middle of the park in the manner that he did Leaving aside the fact that Nick Walsh probably should have booked him for persistent fouling. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a damning indictment on that Rangers midfield. I know the manager was hamstrung with, with injuries and had to place the Fuentes, but I'm looking at John Lundstrom, Craig, and I know for the first time you know, pointed the finger at him of you know, question marks about his, his contribution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if he's a player that's playing for a contract, because apparently he's settled here and he likes it here and his family like it here, so... Uh, again, he could have fooled me. I thought the, the, the performance was, was lacking. Uh, and that's, that's before you even get to the school boy defending the square. Centre half positioning for, for their goal, even allowing for the fact that they did a warning via a run for an even deeper position in the midfield by the, the Slovakian striker a few minutes before. I just thought it was, it was poor. More, more of, the, more of the, the, the excesses of previous regimes. I mean, it was like, it was like going back to watching Pedro Cassini. Rangers stuff. It was. I thought it was. It was poor, mate. No, it was. I mean, unfairness to Pedro Cashina. He, he went to Petardi once and he got them free nothing. So he's got a hundred percent record up there. <laughs> um, Grant. Um, you know, David kind of made a, a decent point, like a bit, a bit missed chances there, because like, it, it, and, well, more so the performance, right? Because we can look at the stats, right? And the stats show we had the vast majority of possession. Uh, I think ten shots and targets. You know, XG, which has appeared. The last couple of years, which I don't fully understand, was apparently really good as well, right? And the manager said it was really good. The thing is, though, we didn't really look like scoring. I had the hallmark of one of those games where we needed just something to get us out of jail. And eventually, that penalty, that, you know, slip up and, you know, defensive ability for the Aberdeen defender gives us that opportunity. But when I look at the chances, I mean, I think Balligan has obviously, he's missed two glaring ones. Um, the first one, especially for me, um, you know, if he picks a side, it's in, it's in the net. 
second one it hits the bar, you know, it's a more difficult one, fair enough. And then obviously we've got a hammer's chance, but that's not until, you know, after we've scored. That wasn't before. We scored, um, Lawrence hit the bar as well. Lawrence had a couple of attempts, but as much as they were good attempts, they weren't like attempts that he should be scoring. They were kind of speculative efforts that nearly came off. So I think maybe the quality of chance creation just wasn't there. And you look at the Aberdeen one, they were clean through and goal twice and they scored for one of them, they should have scored for the other one. So that that's extremely worrying defensively anyway, that a long ball at the pitch can can do that to us. And um David was talking about Lindstrom's performance and I wanted to speak about the team grant. So I said in I know group chat earlier, but as soon as the team got announced, I was a wee bit worried about Sifuentes playing. Now, I actually thought, and I'll say this, I thought Sifuentes had a great game, actually. Um, but for me, it was kind of setting your stall a bit early, playing with two sitting midfielders. I felt we've been playing you know, pretty well. Just go out and play your game, do you know what I mean? I would have been quite happy to see Lundstrom start um, with Cantwell and Lawrence. We're doing this thing of playing Cantwell on the right again which just is not working at all. I thought we should have went with two wingers. He's dropped a guy in Ross McCausland who has been playing really well, got a call up to the national team, um, and then he's dropped him sort of out of nowhere. I don't know, I, I don't really know why he's done that. Maybe it's to sort of manage him or whatever. <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, mate, if you're playing well and you're on a good run of form, whether you're 16 or you're 40, play. Do you know what I mean? So I felt... Maybe the way that we set up, we were just a wee bit too offensive, trying um, defensive, sorry, trying to set off them. Um, and for me, Grant, it's just a case of these games against Aberdeen, the games against Habs, it's like the, the better teams in the league out with Celtic. I think we take these games far too seriously. Yeah, I totally agree with you. <clears throat> um, I said as well before, on the weekend, I would have played Cantwell Lawrence and um, uh, Lundstrom in the middle. Give us no attacking options, get goals in midfield. This two sitting midfielders, I just I don't like it at all, especially at home as well. We do it with Jack and Lundstrom. You're losing an attacking threat there. You could put somebody else further forward. You see Celtic doing it all the time with the three. We've got McGregor sitting the two can go and O'Reilly or Hattati, they can go. So, yeah, we th- I think we miss a trick with that. Just going back on your point there about the, the, the chances we had. The problem was the chances we had, they all fell to somebody you don't want to fall to. We didn't fall to our striker. You know, Danilo didn't have a sniff all day. And Aberdeen, their stri- number one striker's right through, he puts it away, but a great finish. That's, I mean, that's the difference. We, did, we didn't really get clean-cut chances for Danilo or Sima. It was all shots from um, from uh, Lawrence outside the box, two headers from Balligan. So, yeah, we did create chances, but nothing really clear-cut enough. But again, another day we could have won the game. Um, going back to Cantwell, yes, he's, he's wasted out on the right-hand side for me. We saw him at the end of last season playing the number 10 role, running games, um, with his energy driving us on. He's absolutely wasted out the right-hand side. and He's been kind of hung out to dry a bit. Um, I don't see why they, they can't play him centrally with, with Lawrence. And as you said, put McCausland out wide for natural pace or even Matondo. Because <clears throat> um, their pace is devastating and they've created so many chances the last few weeks. So it was a strange one for me. Um, Sifuentes played okay, but at half-time, we're 1-0 down. I would have taken them off then and put Cantwell centrally and brought McCausland on and had pace and had a go. Because you can see Aberdeen winning the end of the game starting to tire as well the last 20-30 minutes um, so yeah just one of these days but we've seen one of these days so many times with these players in this squad mm-hmm. No you're spot on mate and you can see the difference as soon as Matondo came on when you had two wide players you, you, you've seen the difference 
It, well, sorry, Matondo came on for Seymour, but when McCausland came on as well, sort of the last 10 minutes, you seen the difference, and that was when we had probably our best spell of pressure throughout the game. I've got to admit, I was, I was astonished that he never changed anything at half-time, because there was maybe a period in that first half, maybe 20 minutes to 35 minutes, where I thought we were decent, but again, the chances that we created out with Balogun's header, which was from a set-piece, um, I don't think that they were sort of quality chances. Um David Cantwell, look, he's, he's someone who has not been his season so far, right? And I know he's been played out of position. There was a moment earlier on in the game where, let's face it, he's dived, right? You can't, you can't make two bones about it. For me, it's it's embarrassing, to be honest. It's not really the right way to go about things. Or the way I like to say it, if you're going to dive, at least do it properly. But I suppose nowadays with like VAR and stuff like that, can you really get away with it? But it was just, for me, it was so blatant. Uh, blatant and it was just like, a microcosm that just for me just summed up like a lot of these players in the team where it's like just going down so easily they're no going in and putting that that effort required and I, I just think I mean he was all over the place today do you think that has got a lot to do with where he's playing in the pitch or do you think there might be a bigger issue with him there at the moment uh, oh, that's a difficult one I, like, I, I'll I'll nail my colours to the mast I don't rate Todd Cantwell I don't see what all the fuss about him is. I think he's ineffectual. I think he fancies he sells a ball player. He's quite tidy on the ball, don't get me wrong. He's, he's obviously got skill. But I think he's ineffectual. Um, I get what Grant was saying there about him being wasted out, out in the right. I would tend to agree with that, but I think he's I think he's overheated. And I, I'd go as far as to say, I'm starting to wonder whether he's, he's, uh, he should be we should be calling him fraud cantle, never mind Todd cantle. Because he's not doing a lot. I mean, he's, he's, he's been hyped up among sections of the support has been like, you know, a class act. I mean, it looks to me every inch an English championship level player. And that, that goes for a lot of that team. I'm have to be to be quite honest with you, Craig, I'm, I'm fed up watching English championship level players who are fractionally better than ordinary, masquerading as Rangers players. And we'll know we'll know do what we we purport to to do in terms of winning trophies whilst we've got that level of player in the squad. Uh, I mean, see as well, David, it's like personalities as well. Like, I, I mean, look, Campbell's obviously got a personality about him. He does do a lot of good things with it, but he will get a lot of criticism as well for like social media posts, maybe calling out pundits and stuff like that. And John Lundstrom as well. I mean, right, I've, I've, I've said it there. I don't know if you've seen it earlier, but Lundstrom's done an interview in Sky earlier where he's basically been asked, oh, what's your perception? How do you think Pataudry? And he goes, yeah, 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 you know, I love these, you know, tough away grounds when the fans are giving you stick. I love going to Pataudry. Um, And then he makes a wee joke about them, oh, I hope they sell out their stadium. That's just, like, unprovoked. And it's like, what, what for me, it's like, why are you doing that? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. for me, you're, you're playing into clubs like Aberdeen's hands here, right, where you're giving them and feeding them more ammunition because they, they want to turn this into a rivalry that's bigger than it is. And if you've got a player there that's taking a bait and a Sky interview where he's not even provoked. What does that say about the rest of the squad? And also as well, we done a thing um, just before the game where we like delayed coming onto the pitch, but like two or three minutes late coming out, as if to say like, oh, aye, we're going to make Aberdeen wait and this, that, and the next thing. It's like, what, what's, why are we playing, trying to play mind games with Aberdeen? Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's going into an old firm game, right, or like a big game in Europe, against a team that's much better than you. Fair enough, I can understand you doing wee things to maybe try and get an edge. 
But doing it against Aberdeen, for me, is completely embarrassing, especially when you go out and have that start to the game that you did. Well, Lindstrom, I didn't see the interview, but if he's saying that, he should be saying that before a ball's kicked. I mean, he can come away with that after the game's been won. He could maybe understand it then. The, the, making them wait in the tunnel, that, that could, there could be other reasons for that. Maybe, maybe ah, managers nice. try to raise, uh, try to fire them up and, and, you know, just try to get his point across before they go out and, and re, you know, reiterating the importance of the, the match. But, I mean, even have, even have known if that was, was the case with their performance in the opening minutes. Can you like see how he's saying... Sorry, Grant, on you go. See how he was, Tom, uh, he was saying that he likes to go to Pataudry. How many times has he won up there? Once. Yeah, oh, there you go. One game, one game in four, one game in three before today. And that in that game, it was a Scott Arfield game. They always at the time, I it's brilliant scoring two goals in the last minute against Aberdeen. It meant nothing. Uh, a lot of these guys are, a lot of these guys like to talk. They, they, they talk, they talk, they can't walk the walk to use a Stephen Gerardism for years ago. And mm-hmm. it's today. Was I mean I, I can remember being on a, a preview pod uh, just before Bill gets sacked uh, with Brian. It was before the Aberdeen game, and I, I, without saying it in so many words, I said it was a big game, time to raise a performance and show what we're all about. Yeah, today was doubly that them slapping up yesterday. We go look as if we're starting to put the the building blocks of a, a you know a new era in place. Things were going relatively well. First proper test going away from home against a team who I read a start online. If they hadn't uh, collected the points that they've collected against us this season, we'd be sat in bottom. We'd be sat on the lower in the league than the Livingston. I've seen something. And we can't put on a level of performance. Where that, that, I go back to and repeat myself here, the middle of the park, Graham Shinney is limited as he is, is allowed to go out and make niggly fouls and statements. If John Lynch would enter about him, in terms of being physical, who he, he purports to, to make it as if he's quite a physical player, he put the boot in Graham Shirney and let him know who's boss in the middle of the park. And yet again, sadly, lang. And these players talk and talk. I mean, I heard something for, for Tavernier saying, we'll learn for this and move on. I was to that effect. Many times have we heard that one, James. You know what I mean? It's time to deliver. These players will never deliver. And if Philip, I appreciate he's, he's, uh, he's operating under the stringent circumstances with regards to, to transfer windows, but these players have got previous managers a sack. Mm. If he doesn't be careful, he could end up get, be getting a sack them. So I'm kind of a bit scunnered with that, that level of performance today, as you could probably tell, Craig. No, I, I think we all may. Um, Grant, you touched on it earlier, the, the record that, <clears throat> excuse me, Pataudry, um since 2018-19, and I, I dug up the stats earlier, so I don't want the audience thinking it was you that done it, it was me that was master, masterminding the ones. <laughs> um, so since 2018-19, um, 10 games have been played by Rangers and Celtic at Pataudry. Uh, Celtic have won eight and drawn two. They've never lost um, since 18-19, or as I like to call it, the Gerrard season when he came in. Um, I think before then, it was like, kind of fair enough, we were rubbish. We never really challenge but when Gerald came in we spent proper money so I I think going for that point on we should be properly challenging. So yeah for that point on Celtic have won eight, drawn two. Um Rangers um have got a win record of forty percent two losses um in there as well. Um which basically means in short that um since even Gerald came to Ibrox, Celtic have won double 
the games get twice as big a win rate as Rangers do at Pataudry now. I'm not going to get into reasons as to why Celtics is so high, because I think we all know that anyway. But for me, it's about why the Rangers win is so low. Um, now, Aberdeen, this is a team who in the last, well, since 2018-19, if you add up all the positions and divide it by the amount of seasons that there's been, they've finished fifth on the average sort of league table. So to have a 40% win record at a team that's fifth in the league, for me, that's not acceptable. That's something you would expect at maybe a Celtic Park. Do you know what I mean? If, you, if you're get, getting a 40% record at Celtic Park and you're only losing twice in four or five years, I think that's a pretty decent record. But, a, you know, a team that's finishing, you know, on average in fifth place in each of those seasons, it's no good enough. And I mentioned it earlier, mate, it's taking these games too seriously. Um, and, and the problem is it's happening now under four managers, which kind of tells me that it's not just an individual manager's problem, but, and we've said it time and time again, it's a problem for the players as well that have been there since. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you hear this banded about, the Torgy's a hard place to go. It's a hard place for Rangers to go. It's, nobody else seems to struggle up there. And over the last five years, we've struggled time and time again. And I heard Chris Boyd saying a few weeks ago that Aberdeen raised their game. They always do. You see the fans from start to start, they're, they're all up for it. Every tackle's cheered. They're booing our players. We don't see that when they're playing anybody else. And they do they do um, get up for these games. The fans get up for it and it, it, translates, into, it translates into the players. It's been like that since what the eighties, nineties, since the Durant tackle and that kind of stuff. So I just I can't put my, my finger on it. I've, I've never enjoyed going up to Petorgia. I've been there many times. I think I've only had a couple of wins. So I don't I don't know what it is. They just seem to seem to the same players seem to just freeze. I don't I don't I just I can't put my finger on it. If I could, I'd be a millionaire. So yeah, I just I don't understand it. I really don't. It's as I was saying, it's it's a pattern, David. You know what I mean? It's the same players time and time again. As I say. You know, that, that record under four managers, for me, you know, it, it's got to be those senior players because they are the ones that have been there for that period of time. You know, they are the common denominator here. Oh, they, 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 they don't... They've just not got it, Craig. I think it's... Uh, I think you, you, we can dance on the subject uh, you know, and make excuses and factor in mitigating... Uh, excuses. It's just the, the same guys are basically there. They're on the side. They they cannot go over the line. Is it a mental thing? I just they're just they're just not good enough. I mean they can't. Look at I get through the team today. The goalkeeper was was okay. Uh, they must place that a ball. I think Barisic. Uh, give them a, a pass back or Golson give them a pass back and he, he squirted the boy out the touch line or out the, the sideline I should say Tav was his usual Tav trying uh, to limited effect the centre halves uh, don't know what they were doing in that opening quarter in 20 minutes then after that you know they, they seemed to settle down the left back was the, the left back you know <laughs> so they at some point, the the second half, he, he could shoot his right foot, which was a joke. Uh, and then that middle of the park, I mean, I said right to my first answer, one-paced stuff. I mean, Josie Sifuentes, one-paced, 
struggling to get up to speed. I mean, how he's how he plays international football, man, he looks he looks like one of the geriatrics, one of the battling adverts. Walking about, you know, a square astroturf. Uh, aye, Tom Lawrence is obviously he's scratching for match sharpness. He's, he's you can tell he's labouring. John Lundstrom again. Oh, I mean, it's, so Lundstrom had a couple of games. I go look at the Lundstrom when the the the, the run to Seville, and then the day he's just completely. It's like you're you're, you're watching. You're going like, see then some of the stuff he the misplaced passes, getting caught out of position. Basically, ball watching, just stuff. I mean, the manager must have been standing at Tushling going, up. Oh, I thought we'd maybe possibly turn the corner with some of these players. I mean, I, I know he said there during the week of his press conference uh, that there's a major surgery being required that he alluded to that fact that about, you know, too many players in one position and the squad imbalance. I take my stuff. Well, he's got a job on him. Must he'll know the day, he'll know the night that uh, he's got a lot of work to do. And he's got, it's he's back to these exacting pressures that we mentioned the previous uh, transfer windows with Ross Wilson and, and, and Mike Beale and even Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. They, they can't all afford to make mistakes. So I, I'm, I think I've, I've said over a period of seasons that some of these players have, have basically dined out in that 55 title, the COVID season, for too long. And they need swapped out. And there's, there's players who are underperforming, there's players with. Too many of them have got big tips for themselves in there, Craig. And it's time that the, the decks were cleared. I appreciate it. it's difficult for the manager to do it in one window or even a couple of windows, but you need to start phasing players out because these players have had ample opportunity to deliver silverware and perform in big games and deliver big results that can throw down the gauntlet to their pals across town in their field and come up short time and time again. It's time for change. Well, that's the thing as well, like... We've seen Celtic this season, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch now. I don't think Celtic have started the season particularly well. I mean, they've got a pretty good record so far. Um, obviously, they're unbeaten, but you know some of their performances have been really laboured. And I think most of the results have been down to other teams being bad rather than them being good. And trust me, most of them were not happy with Brendan Rodgers coming back. And obviously there's a lot of off-the-field stuff going on there now with different things that are happening and all that. So, like, for a club that's had all this success for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, they are not a happy fan base. And I said the other day that if we can get a grip, get our act together and we can have a sustained period of success, you know, we've seen them have meltdowns a year we won the league, sort of mini meltdowns. If we can have sustained success at Cambridge, the problem is we're no doing it. We're, we're giving them every single, you know, or should I say, every single opportunity that we give them. We just throw it back in their face. And it's happened consistently, you know, over the last sort of three, four years. And I'm, I'm just getting, I'm getting sick of it, to be quite honest. It's just, it seems to be the same story. It's like, you know, every few months, oh, these players will go out and they'll have a good sort of five or six games and then, you know, it'll be a couple of bad results and we're back to square one. So it was a big thing for me today. It's like, you know, obviously you're leading an equaliser at Petrodri. Danilo's not really been in the game and you've got a striker there in Dessers who cost, what, four, four and a half million quid. Um, who, as much as his performances haven't been great, 
he's actually had a decent scoring record since the new manager came in and fairness to him and he can provide something different. He's not even getting a sniff. Guy that costs four, four and a half million quid. Um, you've got a guy in Lamas who costs three and a half million quid squandering a brilliant chance right at the end to win the game. For me, when you're leading a drop, well, get back into the game, Grant, when you're not bringing on a four million pound, four and a half million pound striker and you're bringing on like a 20 year old young winger who, even though I did say you should start, like at the end of the day, that's kind of what you're, that's still what he is. He's 20 years old, he's not got a lot of experience. When you're going for guys like that instead of a four million pound striker, you know there's got to be a problem up there. Yeah, it just highlights the problem. Um, the transfers in the summer, we just spent so much money in players, it's the same kind of players for the same positions, and didn't address what we actually needed. We've been needing a new left back and a new right wing for about three years now, or something like right winger, and we've just not done it. Recruitment in the summer was shocking, it really was. Um, and I summed up perfectly. If you can't bring Dessers on when you're leading a goal, then there's something far wrong. But I thought Clement actually made the subs too late today. I think we was crying out for half time, maybe even 50, 55 minutes. He left it too late. He had 20 minutes left, he brought the tondo on, but he should have changed that a lot earlier because you could see Aberdeen were tiring um, and we could have pushed on and maybe got a couple of goals um, later on. But I mean, it's just so frustrating. Like, you, you touched on there about Celtic. They have been poor. I mean, they're only really five points ahead of us and we've had an absolute shocking start to the season. So it shows you they're not all great shakes either and they're there to be got at but yeah, today's just so frustrating me like it was a, a massive chance for us to get back into the title race and I'd be blow it again the same the same players letting us down you can change the manager as many times you like but the same guys are continually letting us down and I totally agree with David there No you're right David in terms of moving forward like obviously we've got the January window coming up now I don't know what the manager's going to be given in January, especially with the summer that we just had, and obviously I've just sat to another manager, had to pay him off, and we're having to pay a new guy to come in as well. Um, you know, I don't know what our budget's going to be, what he's going to have to play with, but for me, a new striker has got to be, like, top of your priorities now. I said last week that, and I was just being realistic here, right, I would like Lauren Shankland to come in, right? I think he'd be a decent enough player for his right at the right price. But I didn't see it happening because, you know, at the end of the day, we've got Dessers, we've got Danilo, we've got Lammers, we've got Roof all in the, the books at the moment. So if you're the Rangers board, can we really afford to turn around and say, oh, I go and spend another two million quid on another striker when you've got probably the best part of like a hundred grand a week and they four players? And, you know, he's obviously no fancy in Dessers. Um, Lammers is now making his way out the team now that Lawrence is fat. Ruth is Ruth. The only one that's playing is Danilo. And even then, Danilo's been pretty good this season at times, but still looks a bit raw. He's the type of guy that you need to create maybe three or four chances a game for him to actually score them. Like, you've seen the two chances he had today and they were kind of half-hearted attempts, like he was never going to score them, but it was kind of like building up to hopefully he can get a chance that he can eventually put away. Um, aye, what, what would you say the, the targets and the priorities have got to be in January? Obviously, money permitting. You know, he's, he's obviously got several areas of the, the team to address. That, that goes without saying. Grant's mentioned uh, a left-back and a right-sided wide player 
hopefully somebody with pace. I think, to, to, to briefly uh, rewind to the, the, the substitutions, I think that most people watching the game today would have thought that maybe around about the 55, 60th minute was, was trying to make changes. I can only assume that the manager didn't make those changes because A, he's not got the requisite level of quality on the bench available to make those changes, even though he'd probably like to make them. And that speaks volumes about the state of the, the squad to echo Grant's comments. So, uh, I, I mean, you mentioned Lorne Shankland there, Craig. He's, he, Lorne Shankland is a proven goal scorer in Scottish football. He couldn't be any worse than Cyril Dessers. He couldn't be any worse than, than Sam Lammers. Um, you've seen, you've seen a, a passage I play with Lammers. He, he got in the ball in the, close to your, your fans near the... Um, approaching the box and he made a, a, a kind of crazy choice to go outside the box instead of coming into the box and you, you see that and you, you look at Lammers and you think people have heard people saying you know he's a technical player and, and what have you he just looks like a player that's been probably been pushed about and tried in so many positions where he's any talent that he's had has been kind of knocked out and all his decision making is, is his wiring's kind of went awry, you know, it's like he's, he's all over the place. These guys, we can all afford, you mentioned there that the money's involved, we can all afford no playing those types of players in the squad. They, they'd be relatively senior given the, the outlay upon them. You mentioned Kamar Roof as well. I mean, Kamar Roof, there is well tearing up his contract in, in January and just coming to an agreement paying him off because you mentioned there how much money can can Rangers afford? I mean, looking at the other day, how much Rangers, how, how you know, <clears throat> if Rangers don't spend money, what's going to knock on effect of no spending money going to be? You know, they, 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 there's every likelihood the Charlies will get unfettered access to, to Champions League monies until we get serious. I mean, today, to, you know, you're probably, the listeners are probably thinking, he's, he's, <laughs> he's hysterical here. But today was cemented for me, it showed encapsulated the mismanagement of the club for the past two years because that was a, a glorious opportunity to go up there, give Dolly a good shoeing, get revenge for a month, six weeks ago, and put a marker down and let them know across the road that we are in town and we mean business. Who did they do? They, they turned up as if it was like pre-season friendly and for that opening quarter I knew it, it was inexcusable. To get back to the point that you're, you're asking me, Philip's got a job on. He must he must have identified players that he, that are areas of the team that he needs to address. Can he get the players in in January? It's going to be a tough ask, a very tough ask, because we know you know everybody knows that the January's strictly speaking, it's not the not the time when, when clubs, agents or players like to move about. So. Aye, the, the 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 pressures are exacting. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pile pressure on the manager. Far from it. But um, he's, he's, the pressures are exacting. He's got to, I've used that phrase time and time again, he's, he can all afford to make mistakes. So let's just hope that he, number one, Philip can, can spot a player. And number two, that the club back him to the levels required to, to at least run Celtic close uh, in the second half of the season. Now, obviously, there's games to go between now and, and Parkhead. A lot can change, obviously. 
But if that today was a barometer, what we can expect when the chips are down, especially in the cup final, the league cup final, you know, you're looking on at that, you're going, oh, they're this, no, God, I mean, the, the guy's not a miracle worker. These players fundamentally need swap to it. So whether he's got the nous to do it, you know, in a gradual manner and still got a tune out of certain players, keep them on side, that's that, a management, and let's just hope that he can deliver. I mean, see the weird thing about this as well. It's like, see if we go into this game, having to win it and stuff like that after watching Celtic slip up, see if that's for like Clement's squad. I don't think we're going in there with that performance today. And I think we'll go there. I think we would have went the other day more comfortably. If, if that's his players it's in. See if this game was in like, I don't know, March or something like that. After he's had a, like a, a good January, if he does get a good January. I think if that's his players under his management, we go there and we would have stuffed them. But for me, it's just because he's dealing with it, this same group of players, and time and time again, they've let us do it. You know, there's no excuse for it. Because when you look at it, for the last five years, we have, for the most part, at least matched Celtic's outlet in terms of wages. Um, now, we can all talk about like the financial disparities and all that. At the end of the day, We've got, we've got a bigger wage bill than them just now, I'm pretty sure. So, we can't sit here and talk about financial disparities when we're spending at least the same amount of money as they are on players. And we are, at the moment and for the last couple of seasons, just being so far behind them. For me, it seems to be like the business area of Rangers is doing relatively well. But the one department that matters, the football department, you know, that that's the part that's been just completely mismanaged the last two or three years and you know if if you look at some of the relatively small losses we've made this year and obviously we made a profit last year but if you can imagine we actually went and invested that money grant into good decent players in a transfer market into this you know four power that everybody talks about would be absolutely fine but the last two or three years it's just been completely awful i mean David mentioned Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. I think in fairness to Gio, I don't think he was signing any of the players that he brought in. I think that was just Ross Wilson, to be to be honest. And then they gave the keys to Ibrox to Michael Beale and he still couldn't break the door down. Like, I mean, it's madness that... And this, and this board as well, like, I know it's a slightly different board, obviously, to, to King and whatnot, but... You know, these group of people, they seem to make the same mistake since they've came in. And it's like, they give the most amount of responsibility, they give the most amount of money to people that you can't trust to spend that money. So, for example, we, you know, they never gave Warburton anything to spend after he had a relatively good season. And then, as soon as Celtic have a, an invincible treble, they kind of go, oh, wait a minute, we need to actually go and spend money. They panic, they bring in Pedro Cusina, um, and then they give him, what, 10 million quid to spend, when if they gave that to Matt Warburton, now I'm not saying Matt Warburton would have been a success in the long run, but you would have got probably a lot more success from what we did those two years anyway, and then when Pedro fails, we bring Gerard in, or we, we panic, we need to spend more money, and then because we don't win the league again, the next year we need to go and spend more money, and then Eventually, we get it right, 2021, 20, but it's taken us, at that point with Gerard three years to get to, to that point. And then as soon as he goes, 
but you know, just before he went, sorry, we brought in Ross Wilson, who, let's be honest, they'll say he had a good track record at Southampton. A lot of people would say he was kind of living off the back of other people's deals. People mentioned Van Dyke. Van Dyke was sold to to Liverpool, um, like after Ross Wilson, um, sorry, before Ross Wilson came in. So I don't know how people gave him credit for that one. Um, they gave him all sorts of money to spend. You've got a guy in Giovanni Van Bronckhorst who knows football, he knows the Dutch market really well. He don't give him any money to spend in terms of his players. And then as soon as that's done, that project's filled domestically, Grant, it's, I will, Michael Beals came in, we've panicked again, we've got a guy back that knows the club, he knows the players. Um, I just gave him um, the money to go and spend. I mean, the recruitment at this club for at least three years now. I mean, we have not had a good window since number 2020 when we brought in Ruth Itton, um, Hadji, and I think we get Zungu and one. But I mean, you know, you kind of suppose you're, you're always going to get players like that, but the recruitment grant the last like three years has just been dreadful. And like, that, that's the thing as well. Like, there's no excuse for it because we have spent money. It's not as if we're going out and in penny pinching, we're going out and we're spending big money and we're not getting the results. Yeah, you're absolutely spawn, Craig. It's, it's been a vicious circle since 55. That was the time to go and spend the money and they were struggling. And we were we were flying. That was the time to go and spend the money, build on the success, but we never done it. We penny pinched and Gerard basically was crying out for money. He said that uh, publicly and probably attributed to him leaving. Um, for the last two or three years, we've wasted so much money. You're talking what Yelmaz Davis, what, 8 million quid? Dessers, Lammers, I mean, another 8 million quid. Even Ramsey on loan. It's just, the recruitment's been absolutely shocking. And as you said, who's who's scouting these guys? Who's picking these guys? It was obviously Ross Wilson before, then it was Beal this summer. It's just, it's been a shambles for two to three years. And you talk about the fourth pillar. How many saleable assets have we actually got? Like, who, who could we sell for money now? I mean, you, you saw, we made a, a slight profit last year, but that was with selling Bassey, selling Aribo, Champions League money. Where, where are we going to plug these gaps going forward? And we need success on the park, because then it'll obviously be better off the park. And I just I just don't know what, what we do here. We've spent 10, 15 million this summer there. We're not going to get any money back for Dessers. We're not going to get any money back for Lammers. I mean, they're in the twilight. Well, maybe not so much Lammers, but Dessers, you're not going to end back for him. Roof's in huge money. I mean, I just don't know who our saleable assets are right now. Um, we've got an aging backline which is going to need upgrading. It's just, um, it's not looking great, man. There's, was it four or five out of, out of contract in the summer as well? So, yeah, I just hope um, Clements get a couple of players up his sleeve, even in Belgium or something like that, to come in and hit the ground running in January and keep, keep us in this title race. I, I mean, we're supposedly making a director of football appointment as well in the next couple of weeks. You know, is that if that's the path that the club wanted to go down now, like I know a lot of people like a director of football. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it works because I think you know people talk about the or if you give the manager the keys to the stadium, then what if the manager leaves? But it's the exact same as a director of football. What if you give him the keys to the stadium and then he leaves? So it, for me, it carries the same risk. Um, but at the end of the day, if that's the route the club want to go down, fine. Make that decision. Go for it. Get an appointment in. I mean, when did Ross Wilson leave? What March, April? I say leave. I mean, he was basically forced out the doors with all the 
the crosses through his face at Far Park, wouldn't he? But like, I mean, nine months, you're talking about without a director of football, um, come on, he's the type of guy that, that's worked under one before. Um, for me, David, it's like, I think you've got a guy there in Clermont who he obviously knows football, he's an experienced enough player, played internationally, played at a very good level. He's had success as a manager in better leagues in Scotland and he's done okay in France at Monaco as well for the most part. I personally think Bisgrove Bennett, the board, should just go to Clermont and say, look, mate, what do you want to do with the football department? Just go to him and say, do you think we should get a director? Do you think we should do this? Do you think we should do that? Because the guy clearly is impressive enough, he's professional enough, um, and he's gotten results before. So if you're wanting to get guys in that are that are going to upgrade the football department, for me, you need to trust the manager with that one. And I think you're batting a much more proven prospect in Clermont if you're doing that with him clearer than what you had with Bill a few months ago. Well, it depends on what the, what the club's strategy is. Does the club believe in an ethos where they, they need a director of football to to carry through a, a common thread through the, the football club at all levels, you know, with the academy right through the first team? Um, that appeared to have been, I don't know about so much as ditched, but it had been temporarily suspended under under McBeal. Whether that was all part of this rationalisation drive by, by John Bennett, uh, I don't know, that's I'll leave that for other people to answer. But yeah, it's like it's it's, it's one of those you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If 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 you see the manager as the main person of the football club, you know, other than the, the, the owners in inverted commas, then uh, you know, he, it's a case of sticking a twist in whether you actually back him wholesale. You know, does he um try and uh, inculcate that commonality of thread from the, the academy through the first team or is that separate from a coach stroke manager you know, so it's, it's, it's how the, the club sees itself being run certainly for the next I would say five years now if you guys will correct me here Philippe Clemon has got a contract for is it three years is it four years no, sure, to be honest. I mean, right. well, you well, probably well, would have well, done it because Ross Wilson was weird because he used to never like put down how long players have signed contracts for and I think they've continued that trend. So I'm not actually sure, to be honest, but I would imagine at least three and a half years. Right, so let, let, let's work on the basis of three years. Right? It'll probably have a, 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 an optional year written into that. Then, yeah, so, so it's a case of do, you, do we back this guy for three years? Now, this makes the, the, the decision to back... McBeal all the more bewildering because I think I'm really saying that, that, that McBeal was on a, a three-year deal so they've obviously thought right well we're, we're looking three years ahead we see fit to, to furnish Michael with the tools that he has sought to enable him to do the job to the best of his ability he came in and said you know, he didn't need a director of football, he could do all the due diligence had been done in terms of the signing targets, presumably aided and abetted by Ross Wilson. And so, you know, maybe doing the, the, the kind of groundwork. To then do that, you've got to follow through. But they did that with a, an unproven coach, a guy that, had, that, had, that you know, hadn't earned his managerial spurs, albeit, you know, he knew the club for, 
to a previous position. So, to, you know, to, to back Philip Lemel for a three-year period minimum makes more sense because he's got more he's, he's got more bona fides behind him in terms of what he's done in the game. So you'd be, you'd, be, you'd be more inclined to back him wholesale in terms of trying to drive that ethos through the club. But businessmen being businessmen, they're always hedging. They've hedged, I mean, Grant mentioned there about, about uh, the missed opportunity after the 55 season. He used, he used the phrase penny pension. They're hedging. The businessmen always hedge. They've always got an exit strategy. So they want a card kept up their sleeve. So does that necessarily translate into how much they're going to back the manager? It's a $64,000 question, Craig. So does he deserve to, to be backed? I would say, you know, the, the, the early signs would, would tend to suggest that he's got more, we should place more faith in him than we, than we placed in Michael Beale. So if we, if, if we afforded Michael Beale £15 million net spend, regardless of the, the whys and wherefores, I won't be spent and blah, blah, blah. £15 million, £15 million minimum should be afforded to Philip Clemmel. Is he going to get a chance to spend that in January? Highly unlikely. So you look at what they've done in the summer, that set the club back at least two transfer windows. And it's going, to, it's going to take that length of time to get his back, you know, a fighting chance of things coming together and gelling, unless Philip is, you know, a miracle worker. And we're, we'll be placing unfair expectations on him. But to get back to what you originally asked me, it's whether the, whether the club's strategy is to drive a common ethos right through the whole organisation. And that seems to have been... Uh, it's gonna, they've almost got like shelved it temporarily because of the exacting pressure to deliver because they, they, they can't afford that time. I mean, you can rewind back to, to Walter Smith when he was quizzed about no gain youth a chance and Walter more or less explained away saying you, you, you just, we don't have that time, you need to win, you need to win constantly. These are the, that's, there's the structures that you work under the Rangers and Phillips getting a, and I, if, he's, if he hasn't realised already, which I'm sure he has, because he strikes me as quite, a, quite a, a switched one guy, he'll certainly know the day after the day's result, and he'll know that he basically can't afford to put too many feet wrong. And I would back him. He's, 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 you mentioned Lauren Shankland. I would go and search Lauren Shankland because you know what you're getting. You've got a guy that knows the league, he knows the defenders that he's going to be up against. And let's face it, see any time he's played against us, he's looked like a Rangers class player. Certainly when you compare him to like Sam Lammers and, and Cyril Dessers, and I dare I say it, Danilo. Because I mean Danilo was running about doing a lot of harrying. When dropped, the ball dropped his feet a couple of times, he didn't really look like a natural goal scorer. Lauren Shanklin, see what you like, you know, he's one paced, he's not particularly fast. But he knows where the goal is. And he's he can score. So is he worthy of, of, of outlay? Is that a case of snobbery amongst the support about whether he's good enough? Look at look at Lewis Ferguson. You like me, Juventus. You Bologna came out, Marco De Vires came out apparently over the weekend and said he's no for sale at any price. These are the types of players, especially blue noses, that know like, what a game like today is involved, what, what it requires, and will go, run basically run through brick walls to deliver three points for the jersey. No, definitely. Um, it's weird you mentioned Danilo there because, Stephen, you look at Danilo, a lot of the times it reminds me of like Morelos 
like his first season in terms of like some of his finishing and like his movement and stuff like that. And he, he's a bit raw, I think, as well. The problem is, like, Morelos cost a million quid and was like 20 when we signed him. Daniel's 24 and he cost 6 million. So it's like, you need to get the results now. But I, I think we'll leave Sunday anyway now because uh, you need to go into more positive things. We've got a game on Thursday. Um, obviously, Grant, Aris, Linus, all, um, you know, if we win, we're through, aren't we? So pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, we can go into the, the last game against Betis a wee bit more relaxed or maybe know if you're, you're going to take that top spot seriously. Um, what do you think the team should be? Because I mean, from a personal point of view, I, I would stick another winger in there. I think Matondo done enough to probably merit a start after his performance today. I thought he'd done decent enough when he came on. Um, Sima, could it be time to maybe give him a wee rest? You know, he he never looked up to par today. His last couple of games, he's he's not really been great. Um, so for me, I'd probably go Matondo, McCausland. You know, stick with Danilo up front. Um, midfield. I don't know if you can play Lundstrom again after the day. Um, I wouldn't. So I'll just go Sufuentes, um, Lawrence, and. I'll geek out well on it, you know, at number 10 to see how he can do. Um, the back five will stay the same apart for Davies and for, for Balogun because of the, um, you know, Balogun's not in the, the European squad. So how do you see the the game going and, and what do you think the squad's going to be for it, mate? Yeah, I would, I would definitely go with the, with the pace up top. We saw over Naris actually, they've got pace up top and they absolutely destroyed us with two guys up top. Goodbye. By Tavernier, um, so I, I would go with the pace. Matondo only got what 20 minutes today, give, maybe give us 60 minutes from the start. Um, yeah, Sima, Sima as well, He's, he has been struggling the last few weeks, maybe just too much football, um, we're relying on him a bit too much. So, yeah, I would try, I would maybe try Matondo on the left, McCaws on the right, Danilo up top, obviously. The midfield, I mean, I would love to see Cantwell and Lawrence put in there with somebody, but. It seems to be we play two sitting midfielders, no matter what, what, what the game is. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lundstrom is in beside Safiwentes because we, we just really don't have any other options just now. Um, with, with Raskin being out and Jack being out as well, but I would love to see um, Lawrence and Cantwell in the, the, the kind of attacking roles in the centre of the park. Um, yeah, Davis will come back in as well. Um, not like many more options. The team really, the team has really been picking itself for the last few weeks. There's no many options to take out. So yeah, a couple of changes, but. Aris have been doing well. I've checked, I checked the results before I came came on, and um, they, they just beat um, Applewell, who are top of the league, so they've just went joint top. But we should really be winning this game at home comfortably, um, and that'll be us home and dry. Maybe Sparkler could do us a wee favour as well um, at home to Betis. So we just need to wait and see, but I fancy us strongly at home, especially at home, um, 2 or 3 Aye, I, I think so as well, David. I mean, look, the last game against Aris was obviously a complete and utter embarrassment but they have spent a fair few bob to be fair to them but I, I still don't think they looked they looked that good to be honest I just think that we were you know the makers of our own downfall that night I think you know we're going into this game as much as today's performance and obviously we've had a moan about it you know I think if we play even the way we did the day on Thursday I think we'll probably come away with a comfortable win because I can't see Aris getting up for it quite as much as Aberdeen did against, uh, against Rangers Um what do you think the team should be? And, and bear in mind, it's what you think the team should be. There's no realism here. So, it's completely your opinion. <laughs> hey, right. I'll start off by trying to be positive. I'll put my positive hat on for once in this 
as pod. Pass it off. If they play what they did in the first half against Sparta at Ibrox, I think we should be okay. Um, however, <laughs> if they show signs of what they showed today in that first half, it'll be a tricky game. Because as Grant rightly mentioned, they've got a couple of speedy guys in their side. They're assuming that the, 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 the same kind of similar lineup takes to the field for them on Thursday. Then they've got players that can cause Rangers problems if we have an off night. And uh, regards to the, the, the starting lineup, I'll side with you, Craig, on this one. I, I'd be tempted to, to move. Todd Cantwell into the centre and see if it can affect the game because for me it's like, I, I don't want to repeat myself and bore the, the listeners to tears here I seem as largely ineffectual if it can be effectual in a Ranger effectual in a Rangers jersey and it needs to be number ten, in the number 10 position then play him there but the manager presumably must you know he must have a fear about the defensive side of the when out of possession on the right hand side, it, it must require some cover for for Tavernier, and he must be reluctant to to expose a young boy. He's, he's obviously trying to go inside to get him to sign a contract, but he could possibly potentially make uh, make the boy look stupid. You know, when he's doing, they'd want him to sign a, a contract because he'd be asked to do a job to cover for Tavernier when out of possession if, on a, a quick transition. Um, as Tom Lawrence get the fitness to, to play uh, in Europe, I'd question that. Should he play some part in the game? Undoubtedly, because we need him. And I'm assuming that Ryan Jack's not going to be fit, so... I think the, the kind of middle of the park picks itself. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't start the game with Fuentes unless absolutely necessary. The back line tends to pick itself. I get, obviously, you mentioned there that, uh, that Ben Davis will come in for, for Liam Balligan. So um, I think Conor Goldson needs to se- severely up his game and, and switch on right for the for the first whistle, which he, he didn't look. He looked very, very shaky today. I don't know whether there was. I don't know if you guys maybe picked on this, but I thought they looked lethargic today again. Now, I don't know whether in this two weeks period if he's been doing a lot of physical work with him and maybe just a hangover. Hopefully that doesn't carry on into Thursday. Um, and, but going forward, we need to chance creation. You've seen Danilo the day, he was, he was loving off scraps. And we need, to, we need chance creation. To come back to another thing that Grant mentioned, the pace of Matondo, that's how bad it is. Where we need to, we need to bring in the pace of Abby Matondo. Now that's don't get me wrong. I agree with you, Craig. I thought he, Matondo played quite well today. I mean, he, he, he clipped a nice bonnie Lammers and Lammers. That header was, you know, schoolboy stuff. Could even direct any of the any of the side net. Sat in my book. So if 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 Rabbi can bring that um, that kind of level, uh, oh, sub goals, Connor Golson suspended and. In Thursday, oh, so I was just saying that. interesting. Forgetting all about that, yeah. so that may well be. Case of Lundstrom playing at the back. Hopefully, Suter will be fat and no, no, uh, make uh, Lundstrom play there. I forgot about that. Cheers, Frankie. Um, 
So I we need we need to create chances and we need pace to try and get behind them. So I I just hope the manager picks the right the right starting eleven and we can start the house and fire like we did against Prague. Because realistically, in our first half we should have been four and up against Sparta Prague. Mm. And if we can play like that, then hopefully the game will take care of itself. Aye, hopefully. Hopefully we do start like a house and higher, but hopefully he knows that Golson's suspended, otherwise we might end up finding ourselves kicked out of the competition or something <laughs> like that. That would just be a luck, wouldn't it? But, um, no, um, I think that, that'll be us for today. Anyway, thanks as always to, to the guests at, um, at home. Obviously, it's not been an easy one tonight. I, I never get picked for the easy ones, do I? I'm always frustrated about it when, when there's been a, a wee bit of a uh, a downer but um, we're here as always um, if you're watching this on YouTube guys you can rewind back to the start at any point um, if you want to see us from there um, and at some point tomorrow it will be up on all your usual um, podcast providers as well um, like iTunes Google Podcasts and Spotify um, we'll be back on Friday um, to cover um, the game against Aris on Thursday and preview Sunday's game um, against St Mirren at Ibrox that'll be Brian and Alec um, who'll be doing that on Friday and Alec will of course be giving you um, your post-match reaction after Thursday's European tie as well so thanks to the guests at home um, Grant thanks for coming on mate enjoyed it cheers mate enjoyed it yep David thanks for your positivity tonight as ever mate no <laughs> bother Craig cheers <laughs> no it's been good and thanks to all the guests at home we'll see you soon guys bye bye <laughs>